I believe got something very important to talk to his people about. We're talking, of course, about awakening to the power of prayer. We all understand that prayer is important. We all understand that it's something that God has ordained for his people. And yet I think we've only kind of scratched the surface of what he wants to do in our lives in this area. I think there's so much more he wants to teach us. He wants to develop in us in this area. Last week, we kicked the series off by talking about five effects that prayer has on the prayer. Man, five things that prayer does for you personally that aren't the external things. It's not the answer to the prayer, but things that happen to us when we pray. I want to review those very quickly just in case you weren't here or just to remind you. Uh, First of all, we talked about how prayer calms my soul. That prayer brings a peace uh, that we can't find anywhere else. It calms the fear, the, the nervousness, the anxiety, the frustration, the discouragement, the depression, whatever it might be, that, that God brings calm to my soul through prayer. Secondly, we saw how prayer builds our faith. That man, when we pray, God begins to answer prayers. And as God answers prayers, we trust him more for the next prayer. We trust him more to pray bigger prayers. We see God moving in our lives. So it builds our faith. Third, it increases our dependence on God. The reality is we're all completely dependent on God and yet so often we're unaware of that dependence. But the more of God that we get, the more time that we spend with him, the more we realize we need to spend more time. It's amazing how he increases that dependence upon him as we're praying. Fourth, we talked about how prayer transports me into the presence of God. That there's, there's actually this thing that happens in the supernatural where I go before the throne of God. That there's so much that the presence of God does for our lives. Lastly, we saw ultimately that prayer makes us like Jesus. That Jesus was a person of prayer. That Jesus himself would get up early in the morning and go out to pray in a solitary place, just him and his father. And if Jesus needs to pray, how much more do I need to pray? If he needed time with the father, how much more do I need that time with the father? So prayer does a lot of great stuff for me. And if that was all that it did, prayer would be more than worth it. But the great news is it's not all that it does. Prayer has external effects as well. So today we're gonna get to talk about some of those external effects, some of the things that happen in the world around us when we pray. We're gonna talk today about what we call intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is kind of a big phrase. It's one of those kind of Christianese words that, man, maybe we seem sort of familiar with, but we couldn't really define what it means. Uh, So let me tell you what it means. To intercede literally means to stand in the gap. That, that there's a distance between the person you're praying for and God. Sometimes that's the distance of salvation. We just prayed intercessory salvation prayers for people. But even for saved people, we can intercede for them in a variety of ways. There's a number of things that they may need. And so what we're doing is we're going and bridging the gap between them and the throne of God. And bringing them before Jesus. It's a powerful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Many things in our faith are both a gifting and a calling for all believers. So so in other words, the Bible tells us that there's a gift of faith. All of us need faith, but there's actually a gift of faith. Some of us are gifted with faith to believe God for special things. Well, the same thing in intercessory prayer. There is a calling on all believers to be intercessors. All of us have a responsibility to pray for others, but there's also a gifting of intercession. I don't know if you've ever had an intercessor in your life. You've had somebody that you knew, man, grandma went before God on my behalf. 
man, mom went before God on my behalf, or dad, or, or this person, this pastor, this Sunday school teacher, this coworker, whoever it may be, that, man, you had somebody that you knew they were praying for you. That's an awesome and powerful thing. This past week, I got uh, a couple of text messages I'll be sharing with you in our message. The, the first one I sh- want to share with you is this. I, I got a buddy uh, who I haven't seen or talked to for a number of months. And so he'd just kind of been on my heart. And I texted him this past week and just said, hey, dude, just checking in on you. Haven't talked to you for you for a while. How are you doing, man? You've been on my heart. And he kind of updated me on life. And then he says, man, I still pray for you and for City Church every day. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. I pray for you too. Just kidding. Uh, right? Like I wanted to say the same thing but I couldn't say the same thing you ever been in that position where now you feel guilty it's like you're a better Christian than I am right um, you're a better friend than I am anyway it's like man thank you so much and then it's cool to hear somebody's praying for you it's encouraging to know that somebody's praying for you but then he's, he took pictures of his prayer list in, in his handwriting and he sent it to me and sure enough me and my family like third on his people list and then city church second on his church list praying for us how encouraging is that? How awesome is that? And this is one of those guys that I know, he's not just saying, I'm praying for you. You know how there's those people like, oh, yeah, I'm praying for you. It's like, yeah, no, you're not. Uh, like, let's be real. Uh, that's not this guy. He is legitimately praying for me, for my family, and for the church. What a gift. What a blessing. So there's some people that are gifted in that, and he is an intercessor. That is his personal gifting that God has placed on his life. But all of us are called to intercede. And so today I want to help you take a step in that calling. All of us aren't going to pray for the same lengths of time. We're not all going to go to the, the depths that intercessors do. I mean, if you've got a gift or intercession, you can pray two, three, four hours. I'll just be honest with you. This might totally crush you. I don't have that gift. Uh, I'm not somebody who's spending two, three, four hours in front of God on a regular basis. That's not something that he's, he's graced me with. Uh, but I know I have a call to intercede. I have a purpose to, to lift people's names before God, to stand in the gap for them. Uh, and so today we're actually going to get to intercede for somebody specifically. I was going to do this a little bit later, but Todd Helms, would you join me up here? I think this is probably a more appropriate time for us to do this. You guys give it up for Todd as he's coming up. Come right up here with me, bud. Uh, talk about him for just a second, make him feel awkward. Uh, Todd, this is actually Todd's last Sunday with us. Todd and his wife, Grace, started attending here probably like around last June. Uh, and shortly after they started coming here, they found out that Grace had cancer. Uh, and just a couple of weeks ago, Grace went to be with Jesus. Uh, and so Todd moved down here to be with his wife, uh, to, to marry her. She's from Mississippi. He's from Ohio. And so he's going to be moving back home to Ohio to, to restart his life, to get a fresh start. Uh, and we want to intercede for this guy. He's in a very hard place right now. He's been through a lot. He's lost the love of his life. Grace was an amazing lady, an amazing woman of God, um, somebody who was very special the little bit that I got to know her over the past year. Uh, and our heart breaks for you, buddy. He... Uh, told me I could bring him up here. I'm grateful for you having the courage to do this. Um, church, would you join me? Would you stand and stretch your hands towards Todd? We're going to pray for, for him as he grieves, as he mourns the loss of his wife. We're going to pray for him as, as he starts a new life, as he moves back to Ohio, that God opens the door for, for employment, for friendship, relationship, getting plugged into a church, all the things that come with, with a move. We're going to believe God that he's not done with Todd. That he's got a great purpose for Todd. Would you pray with me, church? Father God, we thank you for this man. God, I thank you for his faith. 
thank you for, for bringing him here, God. Unbeknownst to him and to grace for the most difficult season of their life. Thank you for the faith that he had to stand for his wife, for the way he fought for her, the way he believed for her healing. God, for the way he loved her through a very, very deep suffering. Um, God, I, I honor the purity of this man's heart. I honor the, the purity of his, the way that he walked this out. So God, we thank you, God, that, that you comfort those who mourn, that we don't mourn the way that those who have no hope do, but Todd has the hope of seeing grace again. God, she's in a better place. She's received her ultimate healing. She is totally and completely restored. She is joyful. She is celebrating. She is healthy in your presence right now. God, but Todd's hurting. So we stand with our brother for healing, God. We thank you that your word promises you are close to the brokenhearted. And you bind up all of our wounds. So we speak that over Todd in the name of Jesus. And God, we just pray as he transitions to Ohio, we just pray safe travels and protection as, as he drives up there. God, but more than that, we pray that you just order his steps. That you give him favor as he moves back home, God, that, that he finds the right job, the right relationships, the right church, God, that, that all the steps, all the pieces of the puzzle uh, begin to form, God, that, that as he does, Lord, that you would draw him deeper and closer to you than he's ever been. God, as he mourns and walks through this pain, that he would find in you the only healing for that pain that he can find. God, that you would soothe that and, and comfort him and be with him and bring him peace that passes understanding. We thank you for bringing him for the past year. We thank you for his courage to even be here as we pray over him today. And we thank you that you're not done with him. God, that you got a plan for him and a purpose for his life and you're gonna use him in a mighty way. And we believe it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. amen. I love you, dude. You guys can have a seat. God wants us to be people of intercession, not just when we can do something public in front of the church. But man, he wants to put people on our heart and cause us to go before God, to go before his throne on their behalf. I wanna, today, before we get into the main point of part of our message, I wanna just very quickly talk about three things that don't limit intercessory prayer. Three things that, that don't prevent intercessory prayer from, from making an impact. The first one is intercessory prayer isn't limited by geography. In, in other words, we can pray for people on the other side of the world. In fact, this past week, one of the things that we challenged our church to do was for all of us to spend five extra minutes in prayer every day. So whether you spend zero minutes in prayer a day, let's spend five a day. If you spend 10, let's spend 15. If you spend 30, let's spend 35, right? To just increase our prayer life by five minutes, to go to the next level, whatever that needs to look like. Uh, one of the ways that I used that five minutes this week, uh, and prob probably the primary way that I used it this week, was to, to pray over the situation in Afghanistan. I don't know how much you guys have tuned in and are aware of what's going on, um, but there's persecuted Christians whose lives are in danger right now. There's American citizens who, who are trapped in the country as the, the government has collapsed. Uh, there's some very, I think, bad decisions that have been made by our government and some things that we haven't done well to take responsibility for interpreters and others who helped us over the past 20 years. Um, it's, it's a rough situation. Uh, and so I, I've been praying over a lot of different aspects of that situation. I think it's a great thing to pray for. The beautiful thing is this. My prayer isn't limited by the fact that I may never set foot in Afghanistan. I'll probably never see that country. I'll probably never be there. And yet, by the power of intercessory prayer, I have the chance to make an impact in that nation. And so do you. Uh, 
one of our missionaries, Tim Bentley, he's a, uh, him and his wife Ellie and their family, they're missionaries to Macedonia. He reached out to me this week and he said, hey, uh, I want you to get your church praying for us. So I'm gonna share this with you. This is something maybe you can pray for over the next week. Uh, he said, right now they're putting in preparations for Macedonia to receive a, a massive influx of Afghani refugees. Uh, he said back in 2015, they had uh, a ton of refugees come in through Syria, Iran, and Afghanistan. Uh, and he said the expectation is we're going to see another mass influx of, of Afghani refugees. Now, the Macedonian government hasn't yet opened up to receive refugees, but the expectation is they will based on their history. And so he said, man, if they do, we're going to be ready. So we're already working with the national church here, putting plans in place for how we can minister as these people come through. There's two refugee camps in Macedonia. And so they're going to be working with the refugee camps to, to meet needs. He said last time, uh, the need they ended up meeting was they, they were serving ramen soup in the refugee camp. So they would partner with local restaurants and, and bring in chicken and vegetable soup. And they said, you'd be shocked what a hit this chicken and vegetable soup was, just getting protein, just getting that strength that, man, these people would, would flock to us and that that opened the door for us to share Jesus with them. Uh, and so he said, we, we don't know that that's gonna be the same need this time because there's a lot of other organizations and somebody else may fill that. He said, we're gonna be prepared to fill whatever void we can find. Whatever physical need that needs to be met, we're going to meet that. So he said, here's how you're church can pray. He, he said, pray first of all that the Macedonian government opens up for Afghani refugees. We want them here. We want to be able to minister to them. Uh, most of them are, are obviously Muslim. He said, we want to point them to Jesus. Last time, they saw 20,000 Muslims come to Jesus. He's, he told me this. It was so cool. He said, Pastor Troy, he, he said, as we would minister to these Muslims, he said, over and over again, we heard how Islam has failed them, how Islam has let them down. He said, man, Islam has left us broke has left our lives in danger. Islam has, has given us no hope. But as we travel from nation to nation, everywhere we go, there's Christians meeting our needs. There's Christians loving us. There's Christians praying for us. There's Christians providing for us. There's got to be something about this Jesus stuff. So it's not just them in this one refugee camp. This is Christians all across the chain stepping in and meeting needs. One planting seed, one in watering a seed, and God giving the increase. So we want to pray that that happens, that they have that same experience, that time after time, that Christians are meeting their needs and they see the love of Jesus as Christians are meeting the needs. Uh, he said you can pray that for infrastructure, that, that we have the resources that we need, that we have the people we need to meet these needs. They're already working with local churches there to be prepared for this. He said last time we weren't prepared, last time we just kind of responded and made it up as we went. He said this time we're going to have a plan. We're, we're going to have the, the pieces in place so we can respond immediately when they get here. So he wants us to pray for for that. Um, and then he wants us to pray about, do we have a chance to contribute, to give? He hasn't asked for any money yet, but he's going to. He told me that. He said, be ready. Uh, he said, man, can you guys help us this way? Um, and so I don't know what it's going to look like for all of us. Most of us will probably never set foot in Macedonia. But through the power of intercessory prayer, through the power of generosity, we'll have the opportunity to make an impact for people who are lost to find Jesus. That's the power of intercessory prayer. It's beautiful. The second thing is the power of intercessory prayer isn't limited by resources, right? So, so you don't have everything to meet these needs, and I don't have everything to meet these needs, but God does. We serve a God who has the cattle on 10,000 hills, right? In other words, he has more than enough. He's the God of abundance. And so even though your resources might be limited and my resources might be limited, his resources aren't. 
And so we don't let the, the practical, the financial aspect prevent us from believing God for something supernatural. Thirdly, the, the power of intercessory prayer isn't limited by time. This one's so cool. Uh, I found this quote actually a couple weeks ago as I was preparing for our last week's message. So I banked it for this week because I knew it was more appropriate here, but Billy Graham said this about prayer. He said, I firmly believe God continues to answer the prayers of, the peop- of his people even after he's taken them to heaven. Imagine that. Billy Graham's in heaven. God's still answering his prayers on earth. Uh, never forget that God isn't bound by time the way we are. We only see the present moment. God sees everything. We see only part of what he's doing. He sees it all. How cool is that? How awesome is that, that we serve a God who exists outside of time, and so we can pray something today that God's continuing to answer 50 years from now, 100 years from now, that that would extend beyond even our legacy and our time here on earth. When, when God supernaturally provided this building for us four years ago, most of you probably know the story just in case you don't, we were meeting in a strip mall for a number of years, uh, and we got a phone call that this church that was meeting here was, was closing down, and they were offering us their building for free. Paid off, no mortgage, no rent, nothing. And by God's grace, we were able to, to receive that and move in over here and, and been able to reallocate resources to meeting needs because we're not having to pay a mortgage. We're not having to pay on rent. And so we can take that giving and actually respond when people are in need, uh, which is, I think, the way that, that God wants it to be. It's an amazing position for us to be in. Well, one of the things that God showed me in that season is in the book of John, I think it's chapter four, but it might be chapter five, but uh, it, it says this, Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples and he said, I've sent you to reap where you did not plant. And that just leaped off the page to me that God was sending us to reap where we didn't even plant, that there was seed in the ground here. Somebody sacrificed, they bought this property in 1967, 14 people contributed to buy six acres of land. That's some sacrifice by those 14 people. 1968, they, bu- they broke ground on it. They built this place themselves. That's some sacrifice. That's some blood, sweat, and tears. They built it in three different phases. Man, there's sacrifice put in here. There's prayer put in that God would use this church, that God would do something through this place. And I believe that seed's still in the ground, even though those people from 1967, some of them aren't even on earth anymore. Most of them aren't at this church anymore. But the prayers, the sacrifice that was put here, that seed that's in the ground, it's still bearing a harvest. That, That God has actually sent us here to reap something that we didn't even plant. What an honor that we would be able to stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us and be used by God to do something incredible. You see, prayer is not bound by time. And so those prayers that they prayed in 1967 when they got a vision for a church, we believe that God's still answering those prayers for City Church today. What an amazing, amazing thing. See, prayer isn't limited by geography. It's not limited by resources. It's not limited even by time. Here's the one thing that limits intercessory prayer the willingness of God's people to pray. The only thing that limits the power of our prayer is are we willing to actually do it? In fact, I told you I got a couple text messages this week. Here's the other text message that I got that I wanna share with you. Uh, This is from a a buddy here at the church. He told me I could share it, but he said he didn't want any credit, so I can't say his name. So he shall remain anonymous, but this isn't like one of those news stories from an anonymous source that we made up. This really happened. Uh, He texted me this, and he said, we really shouldn't struggle because there's so many things to pray for. We'll always have our needs, There are so many people hurting right now around us. You guys identify with that? 
So many people suffering right now. So many people hurting. So many people affected by so many things. In fact, in the past 10 days, I've lost two friends of mine who were in ministry to COVID. Guys in their mid-50s, late-40s, otherwise healthy, gone to be with Jesus. That's just one aspect. It's not just the pandemic. It's not just COVID. There's a lot of hurting unrelated to that. There's a lot of collateral damage from from COVID that it's created and increased drug addictions and discouragement and anxiety and depression and all kinds of stuff. There's a lot of hurting people right now. Amen? You recognize that? You see that? He says, our family and friends, at least mine, always have needs. I got those family and friends too. I'm one of those people. He says, our nation is chaotic. The world has so many needs to pray for. There's so many things to pray for. He said, it really boils down to this. Do we love God enough and people enough to be willing to take the time to make a difference? The only thing that limits the power of our intercessory prayer is do we care enough to do it? And I don't mean to like put a guilt trip on you. I don't mean to like shame you into prayer. I want to encourage you into prayer. Man, it does make a difference. You got people who need this. You got people who you can make an incredible impact in their life if you'll simply set aside and take the time to do it. So I want to share with you today five things that intercessory prayer does for others. Last week we saw five things it does for ourselves. When we pray, let's, let's see five things that it does externally, five ways that prayer impacts other people. The first one is this, prayer brings miracles. This is the obvious one, right? This is like the thing that probably most of us are praying for and asking God for. It's the thing we see so often in Scripture. But I want to remind you that prayer brings miracles. We believe here at City Church that the same Jesus who did miracles in Scripture is the same Jesus who wants to do miracles today. That he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've been researching a lot lately about missionaries and different things that God's done through missionaries and different stories. And so I'm going to share with you a couple stories today. The first one's by a lady named Dr. Helen Rosevere. Dr. Helen Rosevere was a missionary to what is now the Democratic Republic of Congo. It was Zaire. Uh, It's gone through a few different name changes, but basically uh, Western Africa. Uh, And as she went in and she worked at this mission statement, there was a lady who was there giving birth, one of the, the native people. Uh, and she died in childbirth. And the baby was very sick. Uh, and they, all they needed to be able to meet the baby's needs was a hot water bottle. But their hot water b- bottle at the mission station had busted. And so they did not have the resource and there was nowhere else they could turn locally to get it. And so they called all the kids in at the mission station and said, we want you to pray. We want you to believe God that God is going to to rescue this baby. He's going to heal this baby, and the baby's going to make it. So one little girl steps up, and and she leads out, and she prays. And she prays two very specific things, that God would provide the hot water bottle that they need so they can rescue this baby, and then she prays for the baby's sister, that God would send a doll for the sister so the sister wouldn't be lonely. Now, those are two massively different scale, right? Like, we've got one, like, life and death, somebody's about to die, and then we've got some, like, a doll, right, that she just has somebody to cuddle with and not be lonely. I think it's so beautiful that this girl prayed both. She recognized both. Well, what happens? Very shortly after that, a box arrives from England. Now, this is the 1950s. They didn't put this on a drone from Amazon and ship it with two-day shipping, right? Like, this would probably mailed weeks, if not months, before. But a box arrives, and of all things, inside that box is a hot water bottle 
and they're able to rescue the child. The child survives. And a doll that they give to the baby's sister. You see, God cares about the big supernatural prayers. He cares about the little things that we ask for. And he cares about the faith of that little girl. That she would see God move mightily and respond. Now again, remember, prayer isn't bound by time. So even though she didn't pray it until that moment, God answered the prayer weeks in advance. God moved on somebody's heart weeks in advance to drop those belongings into that box and ship it to this specific mission center. Of all the places it could go, they sent it to this one. This is the God we serve who answers prayer and who does miracles. Amen? He still brings miracles. Secondly, prayer brings protection protection. Now there's kind of this Christianese cliche that a lot of times we pray, especially as people are traveling, that God would raise up a hedge of protection. You ever prayed for a hedge of protection? I'm guilty, right? Uh, it's not something that we necessarily know exactly what it means, right? We have sort of this kind of idea, but it's like, for whatever reason, that's the wording. God, raise up a hedge of protection. Well, what is a hedge of protection? Well, we're asking that God would form a shield around somebody, that he put a barrier around them, that the attack of the enemy could not get through to them. Uh, we have a God who brings protection when we pray. It's an awesome thing. Uh, and so God has invited us to pray for protection. I, I, Another missionary story I want to share with you. One of the most famous missionaries of all time, his name is Hudson Taylor. He was, many people believe, the first missionary to China. Uh, and he left uh, England in the 1800s. He went to China fully expecting to, to never return. I'm going to, man, lead as many Chinese people to Jesus as I can. And as he sailed to China, he was on a ship with four total Christians, four missionaries who went over there, and, and a merchant ship full of a whole lot of other people that didn't know God. And as they got close to China, the wind died down. And at this point in time, they didn't have steamships, they didn't have powered engines. The only way that you could move across the ocean was with a sail. Uh, and so they actually sat dead in the water for days and were pushed along by the current. And as they're pushed along by the current, uh, they get close to a set of islands that have, are, are surrounded by a reef. And they're going to crash on this reef. The sailors are aware of the potential. And these islands are inhabited by cannibals. That they got so close to the islands that they could see the people on the beach building fires. And all of the sailors resigned themselves. This was it. We're all going to die. This is how we're going down. They said, we've tried everything. And Hudson Taylor says, well, there's one thing we haven't tried. So he calls together the other three Christians on the ship. And he says, we need to pray that God would send wind and send it right now. So they each go back to their own rooms, and they go before God, and Hudson prays a very quick prayer. See, intercession isn't always about how long you pray, it's about the faith you pray with. So he goes back, and he prays, he goes before God, he says, God, we need wind, and we need it now. Send the wind. We know that you're in control of the wind, you know that you have the ability to do this, so send the wind right now. So he leaves his room, and he comes back out, and he goes to, to the guy in charge of the sails, and he says, you need, to, you need to lower the sails, you need to open this thing up. Because the wind is coming. The guy says, I've been sailing my whole life. You're some Christian nerd, right? And the studies books. Like, what are you, what are you thinking? Uh, but Hudson's so passionate about this, he talks him into wasting his time and lowering the sails. And sure enough, within a matter of moments, here comes the wind. And the ship is carried off into safety. They arrive in China to fulfill the mission that God had given them. Why? Because God brings protection through our prayer. 
Their lives were in danger. God supernaturally provided that provision. Now, that's a really big, man, very distant, very foreign situation. Let's bring it to Olive Branch. Let's bring it to 2021. On Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, I take my first grader and kindergartner to school. In fact, Judah, my first grader, he's in here with us today. He went to Kid City First Service, but he's hanging out in here today. It's good to see you, Judah. Uh, So we're going to talk about him a little bit. So I, I take my kids to school on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. On Tuesdays, I take our... 19-month-old to his parents' day out. So four days a week, I'm transporting somebody to school. And we have a little routine. There's a certain point on the drive where we pray. Uh, And so when we get to the certain point on the drive that we pray, first of all, Judah will pray, and then his sister Alexa will pray, and then I'll pray. Now, Noah doesn't pray on his yet. He's a slacker, but we're working on that. We're going to get him there. Uh, And so the the kids pray, and then I pray. And when I pray over them, I I pray over whatever specifics might happen to be going on. They're taking a test today, or they're going to PE today, or whatever I know of. I'm going to pray, you know, something specific to their day. And then I always finish my prayer by praying God's protection. And I want to share with you what I pray. And this isn't like 100% word for word every day. I might change it slightly. But this is the essence of my prayer over my kids. Because I want to empower you to pray protection over the people in your life. Here's what I pray for our kids every day. That, that God would protect their minds, their bodies, and their souls from any sickness, disease, You can tell my kid went to school for the first time in COVID, right? So that's important. Uh, We're praying God that would protect them from sickness or disease, even if and when COVID becomes a thing of the past. In Jesus' name, let it become a thing of the past. There will still be sickness that goes around in schools. This will still be an important thing to pray. Uh, That God would protect them from sickness, disease, injury, uh, because Judah has broken a couple of bones. So we're believing that he's not breaking anymore. Uh, So we're praying against injury. Uh, And then I pray that he protect them from any lie from the enemy. Now, that lie may come in the form of of mental health, right? It may be a discouragement. It may tell them they're not good enough, they're not loved, they're not accepted. That lie may come in the form of something that they're taught that's contrary to the word of God, Uh, something about their identity, something that that, that is sinful, that they're told, hey, this isn't sinful. So we pray every day that that God would protect them from these things. Why? Because I believe God answers prayer. Because I believe God hears those prayers and that he moves on that behalf. Because we believe that God answers prayers for protection. Who do you have in your life that needs protection? Who do you have in your life that that needs you to go before God and intercede in that way? Well, whoever that person may be, I want to encourage you to turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is my favorite passage of scripture to pray for protection. I'm going to share just a, a small snippet of the chapter with you, but there's tons of great stuff in Psalm 91. It says this in verse 2. It says, I will say of the Lord, he is my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. What's pestilence? It's plague pandemic. Um, He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. So so if you're praying protection over people, take advantage of what Psalm 91 has to say. Thirdly, what does intercessory prayer do? What does it bring in other people's lives? It brings healing. Intercessory prayer brings healing. Now, this is a tough one because every one of us in this room have probably prayed for somebody to receive some sort of healing and it not happened, right? We've seen people die. We've seen people stay sick. We've seen people not be healed. Uh, And so I can't answer for you why sometimes we pray for healing and it happens, and sometimes we pray for healing and it doesn't. 
I know there's a spiritual warfare aspect of it. We, we see in the book of Daniel that his prayers, the response was delayed because God sent an angel, the angel Michael, and Michael was delayed by demonic presence. And so there's spiritual warfare. So we got to keep praying. We got to keep believing. We got to, man, be lifting up that, that situation. Sometimes it doesn't happen. But just because there's sometimes it doesn't happen doesn't mean that it's not ever going to. I mean, hopefully you've seen God heal. I've seen God heal. I've seen God move mightily in people's lives. I've seen disease dry up where there's no explanation medically, no reason why this thing wouldn't be there except that God moved mightily in their behalf. In James chapter 5, it tells us this in verse 14. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. That there is a, a, a biblical order to praying and believing for healing. So what do we believe here at City Church? We believe God's going to heal. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to stand for healing. We're going to fight for healing. And sometimes we may not see that. And it's discouraging when we don't. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to try to pretend I don't sometimes question why things didn't happen. But the reality is many times it does. And God has ordained for us to pray for it. He's ordained for us to go before him on the behalf of those who are sick. And so we're going to respond in faith and trust God in faith and pray for healing. Fourth thing that prayer brings, intercessory prayer brings freedom. Intercessory prayer brings freedom. In Acts chapter 12, we see this awesome story unpacked for us. The whole book of Acts is just cool, full of cool stories, man. If you never need a shot in the arm, you need some faith, you need some encouragement, you need to see God move mightily, man, just read through the book of Acts. But in Acts 12, it says this. It says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. So, so persecution from the Jewish government actually begins here. Herod was the king of the Jews at this point in time uh, who was under the Caesar. He had to answer to Caesar, but he still had authority in Israel. And so he begins persecuting the Jews. And verse 2 says, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So the first one of the 12 disciples who's martyred, the first one who dies for the faith is James. Uh, he is slain by the sword. Uh, verse 3, it says, then when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. So Herod's approval rating goes up because he killed James because he begins to persecute those who are calling themselves Christians. And he says, well, let's Man, I want to be more popular. Uh, if this is something that the people like, let's do it some more. So he arrests Peter also. Now, Peter is obviously the, the face of the church at this point in time. He is the most well-known Christian, the most well-known follower of Jesus. So he picks out the biggest Christian he can find, the one who's going to discourage the church the most. It says, this happened during the Festival of Unleavened Bread, verse 4. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. So if your math's not real good, that's 16 soldiers. They took this dude seriously. He wasn't just under lock and key. He wasn't just in a prison cell. He was guarded by 16 soldiers, day and night. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So he's like, let's get through the holiday. Let's get through the celebration. Then we're going to bring him out publicly. We're going to find him guilty. We're going to kill him just like we did James, and we're going to become more popular, increase our power. So verse 5 says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church. Everybody say, but the church. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. They'd already seen James die. Man, God, don't let this happen to Peter too. 
God, rescue Peter. Free Peter. Let him out. So you probably know the story, but in case you don't, or just by way of review, what happens? Well, God supernaturally sends an angel. An angel comes in in the middle of the night into Peter's cell and begins to unlock his chains and, and set him free and opens up the prison cell and begins to walk out. Peter thinks he's dreaming. He doesn't even think this is happening. He's just like, cool, I'm just going along with this. God's going to do something. Now, Peter's had visions before, so, so he's thinking, man, this is another vision. So he's going along with it, cool. Well, he gets out in the middle of the street, and all of a sudden the angel disappears, and then Peter goes, whoa, this is for real. Like, that just happened, right? So he's rescued. The 16 guards fall asleep. Nobody sees him. He's rescued. He's out in the street. So now he's like, well, now what do I do? Well, he's like, I'm going to go to Mary's house, the mother of John Mark, Mark who wrote the book we have called Mark. I'm going to go to her house because a lot of times the church is hanging out there and connecting there, and that's like a, a connection place. So he goes to her house. He knocks on the door. Servant girl named Rhoda comes and answers the door, and she's like, oh, my gosh, it's Peter. And she runs and tells everybody Peter's there. What are they doing? They're praying for him. They're praying for Peter to be released. Rhoda goes and interrupts the prayer and says, hey, uh, God answered your prayer. Peter's at the door. And they say, no, bless your heart. Poor kid, man, she's seeing ghosts. She thinks Peter's out there. They're praying for God to release Peter. And Peter shows up and they all say, nope, no way this is actually happening. You know what? This is so encouraging to me. Because Jesus says you only need faith the size of a mustard seed. They were earnestly praying for Peter, but they weren't playing with just like perfect faith. Sometimes I don't pray with perfect faith. Sometimes I have fear mixed in my prayer. Sometimes I have some doubt mixed into my fear, into my prayer. But God answers prayers even when they're not perfect. Even when we don't completely understand how he's going to move. Even when his plan looks different than our plan. And I think part of it was that, that, you know, they're expecting him to be released at the public trial, that God's going to turn Herod's heart. They're expecting a different outcome, a different way for this to happen. And God doesn't usually give the outcome the way we want it to happen. He just gives the outcome. Amen? So God sets Peter free. Peter shows up. And eventually they get the point and they celebrate that God answered their prayer. You see, prayer brings protection. Prayer brings freedom. The chains dropped off of Peter and he was set free. Who do you know that needs freedom? Maybe you know somebody that needs freedom from addiction. Maybe you know somebody who needs freedom from, from just a dark place right now. Maybe you know somebody who needs freedom from a bad habit. Maybe you know somebody who needs freedom from a lie that they've embraced about their identity. There's a lot of people right now who need freedom. And if we will intercede, God will cause those chains to fall off people. He will bring them out of those prison cells the enemy has them in. Amen? In my life, I've seen this. In 1995, I was in eighth grade. We lived in inner city Seattle, Washington, and my first seven years of school, I was homeschooled, and eighth grade, I went to public school for the first time, and inner city public school was tough for a nerdy homeschool kid. Uh, it was a difficult transition for me going into eighth grade, and I desperately wanted to be liked. I wanted to be accepted, so I started mimicking what I saw around me. Uh, eventually I started hanging out with some guys who were in a gang and I never actually joined the gang I didn't get jumped in but started dressing like them started wearing the same colors started learning the gang signs I, I did a whole lot of that stuff uh, I wanted to fit in and one day I'm walking home from school about a week before eighth grade ends and me and my buddy Clint are walking home and I'm wearing red and we walk by a group of nine guys wearing blue uh, and it didn't take nine of them to kick my butt. They only used three. Uh, I didn't put up much of a fight, uh, but I got jumped, and by God's grace, 
All I really got was a, a bloody lip, a concussion on the back of my head, a pair of sunglasses that got broken, and a hat that got stolen. Uh, I got out of it very, very lucky. In fact, the leader of that group uh, had already been involved in a school shooting that year. Uh, and so he probably had a gun on him. Uh, and it was by God's grace that, honestly, they just they didn't need the gun. Uh, like, I didn't put up that good of a fight, so that didn't have to come into play. So my weakness was my strength in Jesus' name, right? Uh, God protected me in that way. But, but what happened? Well, I, I went home with a bruised ego, with, with some injuries. In fact, my ego was really bruised because while this is all happening, all the school buses from my school drive by, and all the kids see me get my butt kicked. So I got to hear about it the next day and the next few days quite a bit, uh, which was fun. But I went home, and my mom called the police and filed a police report, and of course nothing came of it, right? But over the next two to three months, God used that as kind of the catalyst to straighten me out. Here's what really happened. Here's how, what I feel like happened. God basically said, this is the lifestyle that you're choosing. Is this really what you want? You can take this life. You can pursue this, but this is where you living according to the flesh is going to live and bring to destruction in your life. Is this what you want? And thankfully, I was smart enough or soft enough to say, nope, that's not for me. I'm actually going to go a different route with my life. I'm very grateful for it. A couple years later, we had moved to North Carolina, and I got the chance to speak while I was in high school at a youth rally. Um, I spoke at this youth rally, and I shared this testimony. It's the first time that I got a chance to, to get up and do this in front of a, a group of my friends. And so I shared my testimony, and I was so fired up that night. God moved and used me. And so I went home, and I told my mom all about it. And my mom started crying. Like, Mom, why are you crying? This is, this is a good thing, right? Like, you should be proud. You should be excited. She says, Troy, what you don't know about the day that you got jumped is the night before that happened, I prayed. And I prayed, God, I don't know what's going on with Troy right now. But I know he's making bad decisions. I know he's choosing bad friends. I know he's going down a bad path. Do whatever it takes to get him out of this. Do whatever it takes to wake him up. She said, for two years, I've carried the guilt that it's my fault that you got jumped. I said, Mom, thank you. It's the best thing that could ever happen to me. This is the thing that changed my life. Your prayer protected me. Your prayer set me free. If it wasn't for that prayer, how dark would I have gone? How, how deep would I have got pulled into this? What crime would I have committed? Man, where would I have ended up had it not been for that prayer? Mom, you don't need to feel guilty about this. I am blessed with the mom who intercedes. I'm blessed with the mom who prays for me. Time after time as a kid, I would wake up in the middle of the night and my mom's in my room praying and crying over me. And that's terrifying. Thanks a lot, mom. <laughs> praying in tongues half the time, right? But I'm so glad I have that mom. See, m most of the time we can't always connect the dots. We can't say that that prayer that she prayed led to this event or that prayer that she prayed protected me in this way. I don't know how many car accidents I stayed out of. I was a terrible driver as a teenager. I'm still not a great driver, but I was death on wheels. By God's grace, I didn't kill anybody, right? I can't tell you every accident that I was going to have if it hadn't been for my mom's prayers, but I can tell you in this instance, God gave us some insight into an immediate prayer and an immediate way that he responded. See, prayer brings freedom. We know people who need to be set free. And it's not just physical freedom. Sometimes it's spiritual freedom. Sometimes it's mental freedom. Sometimes it's emotional freedom. But God wants his people to be free. Amen? Amen. Lastly, we talked about this at the end of worship, and I want to finish with this. 
Prayer brings salvation. Bring salvation. You see, I believe most of us are here today because we are the product of a prayer somebody else prayed for us. Maybe many prayers somebody else prayed for us. Many, maybe many prayers many people prayed for us. I'm the product of a praying mom. The product of a praying dad. I'm so grateful for people who prayed. I'm a product of some praying grandparents. And probably a whole lot of other people who are praying for me that I'll never know about until I get to heaven. But prayer brings salvation. The Apostle Paul, as he's writing his letter to the church in Rome, he says this. He says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Now, Paul's specifically talking about the Jews, about the Israelites. He's praying that they would be saved. But we see this principle that this man who was so foundational, who wrote 13 books of the New Testament, he was somebody who interceded for salvation. He believed through the power of the Holy Spirit that it was worth it to go before God and ask that somebody might be saved. In Matthew, Jesus is talking about salvation, and he tells his disciples this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. It says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He said, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So when you intercede, when you pray for salvation, yes, pray for the lost. Paul teaches us that we can pray for the lost and intercede for the lost. But one of the best ways you can pray for the lost is that God has sent somebody into their life. So we can pray this generically. We can pray this over the nation of Macedonia right now. We can pray this over Arge- uh, Afghanistan right now, right? Like we can pray this over, over people that we don't know, people who are nameless, people that we don't understand what's going on in their life, but we can bring it to God. God send workers, But we can also pray this very specifically. God, my brother needs Jesus and a coworker to tell him about you. God, my kid has rebelled and turned away from you. Send somebody into their life to point them to you. Now, a lot of times that somebody God wants to send is you. So don't pray this prayer if you don't want to be a part of it, right? Pray it and open the door for God. God, if it would be me, open the door. God, if you want me to say something, give me the opportunity. Help me to find the words to say. Give me the boldness to share Jesus. Many times God's going to choose you. Sometimes that may be geographical separation or some other reason why it can't be you. I mean, one of the best ways we can intercede for the lost is that God would send somebody into their life that would share, somebody who would live for Jesus in front of them, somebody who would have the boldness and the, the love for them to tell them that Jesus loves them and what he's done for their life. Intercession is important. It's powerful. It changes things. So here's the homework this week. Last week I told you to do five minutes extra every day to just pray. This week we're going to do the same assignment, but we're going to narrow the focus a little bit. I want you to spend five extra minutes of intercession this week. Five extra minutes praying for others. So again, if you're at zero, go to five. If you're at five, go to ten. If you're at 20 go to 25. Whatever that normally looks like, I want you to spend five extra minutes in intercession this week. And we just gave you five points. Hopefully you took note on them. If you really need some help figuring out how to spend those five minutes, spend one minute on each of those five. One minute praying for miracles. Who needs miracles? One minute praying for healing. Who needs healing? One minute praying for freedom. Who needs freedom? One minute praying for salvation. Who needs salvation? One minute praying for protection. Who needs protection? It's a really simple way to spend your five minutes. One minute on each of those categories. Now, here's my real hope. I hope you shoot for five and you go 12 minutes and you realize, wow, I just prayed a whole lot more than I realized. I hope you get started. And man, as you get started, it's like, man, it just starts coming. 
man, you realize there's a whole lot more people to pray for than, than you've been doing. A whole lot more to cover than you've been covering. Why? Because God answers prayer. Because prayer changes things. Because God responds to the prayers of his people when we would intercede. Next week, part three, we're going to talk about some specifics of how to pray. The Bible lays out some very specific instructions for us on how do we pray, how do we talk to God. So we're going to cover some specific instructions next week. Week four, we're going to look at specific prayers that the Bible gives us. Right now I have seven. That list may expand. Uh, but, but at least seven specific prayers that God wants his people to pray. Seven specific ways God wants us to go before him uh, on our own behalf, on the behalf of others. Seven things he wants us to accomplish when we pray. I hope you can be here for all this because I think God wants to take us to a new level in our prayer life.